Welcome to the revolution. Hello, and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. We are doing a little bit of catch up here. There has been about a week and a half that has gone by since our last episode, so we have a few things to catch up on here. The very first one being Elon Musk talking about releasing the Hunter Biden laptop internal discussions from Twitter, calling it necessary to restore public trust. Also, Elon Musk saying that he may have to create his own smartphone if Apple and Google remove Twitter from the App Store. The next thing we're going to look at is the New York Post coming out with something talking about San San Francisco police proposal, which would allow cops to kill suspects with robots. The next thing will be the Uvalde mom. You remember that that woman, that hero who jumped the fence after being basically arrested by the police somewhat and then let go and then jumped the fence, saved her kids and ran out, said that afterwards the police threatened her about speaking out on the issue. Yeah, you heard that right. Then we're going to touch on the Balenciaga situation. If you didn't hear about this, Balenciaga came out with some questionable, does not even describe it, disgusting ad campaigns with children and these teddy bears in like BDSM and, and all of this like really creepy undertones if you just look at the surface. And then you start to dive a little deeper into past campaigns. And it starts to make a little bit more sense that this has not only been this campaign, but it has been a theme with Balenciaga over the last few years. Interesting. Other than that, we will also touch on Epstein's accuser suing Deutsche Bank and JP Morgan Chase, saying that they were complicit in his crimes. And we will look at why. Again, all of that and more. But the first thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. Subscribe starts with an S, ends with an subscribe. It's right there on the screen, sitting there on your phone. Just go ahead and hit that real quick for me. Takes 10 seconds out of your day. 10 seconds would be a very long time to click a button. But if even if it does take you 10 seconds, it'll still be worth it. And I will appreciate it even more. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. Type something nice in there. And then head over to redpillrevolution.co. O.com is for losers. Redpillrevolution.co. You can get sign up for the newsletter, the Substack, right directly on there, which has all of the links, all of the articles, the podcast directly to your email inbox every single week. So without further ado, thank you so much for listening and welcome to the revolution. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. 
a mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right, let's get started with Elon Musk saying he's going to release the internal Twitter discussions that were had during the Hunter Biden laptop story, saying that it is, quote, necessary to re restore public trust. I mean, yeah, you're going to have a hard time restoring public trust in general on most media situations. But Twitter, I, I think, you know, Elon Musk is on the right track here. So let's go ahead and read this. This is coming from the dailywire.com. Elon Musk may release information on Twitter's internal discussions regarding censorship of stories about Hunter Biden's laptop prior to the 2020 election, the newly established CEO suggested on Wednesday. Musk took over Twitter last month in a $44 billion deal and pursued an aggressive overhaul of the social media platform. Yes, we know this. Firing thousands of workers and adjusting the site's approach to account suspensions and censorship. Since then, Donald Trump has been reinstated, along with a few others, but Donald Trump being the biggest one. And Alex, the Lord, the God, whatever, or something like that. One of those two. The Lord or the God. I don't know. Pretty close. It says, raise your hand if you think Elon Musk should make public all internal discussions about the decision to censor the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop before the 2020 election in the in interest of transparency. Elon tweeted back, this was two days ago, and said this is necessary to restore public trust. Now, I, for one, would love to see all of the documents that show, you know, seemingly something that normally Project Veritas would have to bait and switch some poor liberal bastard into going to dinner with some woman <laughs> to get out of them. In this case, seems like Elon might just do it on his own, right? He'll, he basically has access to the Slack channels, has access to the internal email documents. And since he has that access, he could just release it all, which would be ideal and really probably show us exactly what was happening. And including the fact that the FBI said that they, or Mark Zuckerberg pointed to the fact that the FBI contacted them regarding the story to tell them to flag it basically that, oh, there's been some talkings of Russian misinformation. So that makes it quite interesting too, because we could even see information out of this that shows that Twitter colluded with the FBI, just as Mark Zuckerberg alluded to prior to this which would make it an interesting storyline to continue to unravel. It goes on to say that the New York Post first reported messages from Biden's laptop in October 2020, weeks before a presidential election. Social media giants, including Twitter, cracked down on the story to prevent its spread. Current and former national security officials claimed at the time that the Biden story was likely Russian disinformation and a veiled attempt from Moscow to intervene in elections. Yeah, no. Besides the fact, the only people that were a part of it being Russian was all of the Russian hookers that Hunter Biden purchased that he was speaking to on his laptop. And all the crazy, disgusting pictures and images that were also on there, allegedly, not that I've seen them. The media outlets such as the Washington Examiner, CBS News, the New York Times, and the Washington Post have confirmed the laptop's contents and messages in part regarding foreign business deals Hunter Biden worked on in Ukraine, China, and elsewhere. Now, I don't know if there's anything else on this article. It doesn't look like it, but that would be pretty cool. Good step in the right direction from Elon Musk being the CEO of Twitter now for, I don't know, maybe a month. And within those few months, well, a few weeks, has 
done some pretty interesting things, including firing like half of Twitter, <laughs> half of their workforce, you know, and, and which probably makes sense because you don't want half of your workforce hating you. Like if you want to stay, stay. If you don't, that's fine too. And then sent out a, an email that I passingly read this, something about, you know, we're going to start working a lot harder. We're going to be a lot more focused, some things like that. So Elon Musk. Now, the next thing that Elon Musk did was he, this happened today, made a response in a tweet to Liz Wheeler. Liz Wheeler is the correspondent for OAN. I think it's OAN. And this article is coming again from the Daily Wire. Had some troubles finding good articles this week for some reason. A lot of these stories were just kind of floating out there without very many good uh places talking about them. So here's one by the Daily Wire continuing the Elon Musk situation where it says that Elon Musk said Friday that he will start to create smartphones if Apple and Google remove Twitter from their app stores, a move that would be highly damaging to the social media company. I wonder, oh, I guess, yeah, talking about Apple and Google. So Musk remarks came in response to a tweet from a political commentator, Liz Wheeler, who wrote, if Apple and Google boot Twitter from their app stores, Elon Musk should produce his own smartphone. Half of the country would happily ditch the biased snooping iPhone and Android, she said. The man builds rockets to Mars. A silly little smartphone should be easy, right? <laughs> Musk responded and said, I certainly hope it does not come to that. But yes, if there is no other choice, I will make an alternative phone, which would probably be a very easy task for Elon Musk, as Liz alluded to. But yeah, he definitely is probably equipped for the job to make his own phone. Now, if there was a Tesla phone, Overnight, and now this is kind of like a, a saber rattling between the two businesses. Now, I, I haven't heard of talks of Apple or Android getting rid of Twitter. That would be a very, I mean, they did it with Parler, right? When they had dissenting opinions, they just literally just took its platform from them. But I, I think that would be stupid. And, and Elon did a very smart move here, which said that if you do do this, there will be repercussions, not only for my business, but for your business too. So press the red button with caution because it's not only going to hurt Twitter's bottom line, but it's also going to hurt Apple and Google. Because if Elon Musk came out with a phone, it's probably going to be the best phone there is by far. <laughs> it's just what the man does. And it's probably going to be half the price. And you're not going to have Apple and Google constantly sifting through all of your stuff all of the time without any privacy whatsoever. So it would immediately plummet. I, I wonder whose stock would be hit worse. Would it be Twitter's getting pulled from Google or Apple? Or would it be Apple and Google for Elon starting his own smartphone company? Which I think he should do anyways, honestly. I, I for one, would definitely be purchasing the Tesla phone over the <laughs> over a iPhone or an Android, as long as it proved itself to be a good alternative, which I'm sure it would because everything Elon Musk seems to put his hands on does fairly well. It goes on to say that the statement from Musk comes amid pressure from advertisers and left-wing activists to police content that they deemed to be hate speech. Musk responded to the pressure campaign this week by saying that the company had cracked down on hate speech. Hate speech impressions down by one-third from pre-spike levels. Congrats to the Twitter team. I have half a mind to wag my finger at the 1,500 accounts that caused the spike, but I shall forbear. Reducing the max allowed tweets per day to a number below what a speed typist on math could do was helpful. This is simply based on the same list of terms that Twitter has used for some time. So, ceteris paribus, Musk responded. This is, okay, that was today as well. 
Musk announced on Thursday that he was going to grant a mass amnesty to accounts that had been previously banned on the platform. Musk made the decision in response to the final results of a poll tweeted Wednesday. The platform will begin unbanning accounts in mass except for those who broke the law or engaged in excessive spam next week. More than 3 million users voted on the poll, and the vote was overwhelmingly in favor of amnesty. Nearly three-quarters of voters, 72%, said yes, and 27% voted no. The people had spoken, was the response of Musk. So, Musk doing some good work against the big tech companies, and we might find out later that he is just, you know, maybe just a big, I don't know, I don't know. I feel something, something, there's always some whispers about Elon Musk out there <laughs> being, being a part of the big machine. And I think there's some background regarding his mother and where the money got, I don't know. There's, there's some, there's some questions to be had about Elon, but I tend to make decisions based off of people's actions. And so far his actions have led me to believe nothing other than the fact that he has good intentions with the things that he's doing. So that's my thoughts on Elon Musk. Now, the next thing that we're going to go into is going to be that San Francisco police have a proposal which would allow them to give robots shoot to kill orders. You heard that right. In true dystopian fashion. <laughs> How terrifying is that? Especially in 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 the wake of eighty seven thousand new IRS agents knocking on your door with murderous robots, and if it happens in San Francisco, you bet it's coming to a city near you. So this goes on to say that a San Francisco police proposal could give cops in the city the ability to kill suspects using remote controlled robots. A draft policy that details the controversial proposal states lethal force by robots would be allowed if there was a deadly threat to cops of the public. Robots will be able to use be used as a deadly force option when risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers are imminent and outweigh any other force option available. Okay, that's terrifying. That is terrifying. Now, just imagine, you know, all of the ego that goes into policing because these aren't going to be AI robots determining the hierarchy of force. Like the, these are going to be robots, at least initially, who are having their decisions made for them based on flawed, sometimes egotistical, sometimes without a, a better way to put it. There's there's bad cops too, right? There's bad cops too. Now, now obviously that's not all cops and I'm very pro police. I, I have nothing to do with the uh, defund the police movement, which was completely idiotic, but there's definitely flawed police officers, just like there's flawed everybody else. And to give a flawed person in a position of power, the ultimate power also without having to pull the trigger themselves, there's a certain thing that happens in your mind. I assume when you are a police officer and you have to decide whether or not to take someone's life or not. Now, when you can remove yourself from one of those steps of humanity, which is actually pulling the trigger, being the thing that was the thing, like it's 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 much easier, I would assume, for drone pilots to drop bombs than Air Force pilots who are actually in the plane knowing where they're dropping them at low levels, right? Like to just to me, there, there's there's another there's a, a sense of responsibility removed when you're going to have police officers who can kill somebody 
without even having to do it themselves, just pressing a, a button. Now you can argue that, you know, pulling the trigger is basically just pressing a button too, but there's something to the fact that it is you holding that thing in your hand and not, you know, pushing that responsibility off to some mechanical, unemotional, unhuman being that will eventually, because that, that's the problem with this is like robots, like the term, I, I would be interested to see the actual draft legislation. But when you say robots, right? Or like autonomous, are they the suspicious device assessments? If the draft is passed, the robots could be used during arrest, critical incidents, the execution of a warrant, or during suspicious device assessments. Now, just imagine them pulling you over and instead of the cop knocking on your door, <laughs> you have fucking RoboCop sitting there as a, a blow-up doll controlled by the cop who's actually in the car so they don't even have to get out of their vehicle anymore. And then they, you start doing that from a, a, a control center in the middle of the city where there's never actually any police out there. Now they're just writing you tickets, killing you, breaking down your door for your IRS funds, all without having to leave the control center in the middle of the city because now they got this legislation. So, so you can see how this could move and, and then eventually there's nobody controlling them and it's just autonomous robots who are now our overlords who have the ability to kill us if we are out of line <laughs> right like that's a horrifying dystopian future and this is actual legislation like maybe not the second or third portion i, I again i have to see the legislation on this I, I have not seen it but from just you assume the way that this is written is probably quite vague and will eventually escalate from where it begins right you don't just you don't start at murdering people with robots manually and not expect it to escalate into autonomous police forces via, I don't know, Alexa. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um, so I don't know. This, this, this is a horrifying idea. I think I, I, I don't see any future where autonomous robotic police forces with the license to kill is, is any type of good for humanity. This does add, though, that the Dallas Police Department used a robot to kill a suspect in 2016 accused of killing five cops in the shooting. Interesting. And then Oakland police declined to go forward with a similar proposal that would allow them to use lethal force robots after initially putting the idea forward. Wow. This says critics, including Tiffany Moyer, a senior staff attorney at the Lawyers Committee of the Civil Rights of San Francisco, blasted the proposal. We are living in a dystopian future where we debate whether the police may use robots to execute citizens without a trial jury or judge. Yeah, what the hell? Says the department has 17 robots, but none of them have ever been used to attack an individual, said a spokesperson from the police force. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God for that. Like, oh, yeah, but you're asking if they can. Jeez, how crazy. How terrifying. Let's see what, if anybody had anything to say. Yeah, they, they, they will absolutely find ways to abuse this. Robots will be used as delegates. This is literally the same thing they said when they initially militarized the police nationwide, resulting in distrust from both sides of the aisle, lest we forget we all started at Ruby Ridge. Hmm, what is Ruby Ridge? Interesting. Now, if there was a utopian future where there was no police, and again, I don't think that's utopian either, but if there was no police who were humans and there was no use of deadly force because the robot's life is never at risk of being eliminated, then there should be no use of force. So just eliminate the cops altogether. Don't do this because this is a terrible idea too. But there's a, there's a better future here where the robots can't kill anybody. The police 
aren't human police aren't even there and there's no necessary use for use of force like this at all in any situation and it just knocks on your window prints a receipt of how much you pay and when your court date is and then drives off or, or even better scan my damn license plate and then send it to me via email <laughs> i like that idea maybe just let's just not do the robocop thing altogether it just sounds like a bad idea all right the next thing we're going to talk about is this so this is this is so horrifying to hear about this uvalde mother so if you recall the mother in Uvalde, Texas, who was originally handcuffed by police for wanting to go save her children while 70-something cops stood outside doing nothing, she wanted to go inside. They arrested her, put, detained her, I guess, didn't arrest her, detained her in handcuffs on the ground. Another police officer came over and negotiated with them, say, hey, she's fine, da la la They let her, they released her. She went, jumped the fence, saved her children left the school unscathed. Now, what she is saying is that the police contacted her and threatened that if she was to speak out about what happened, that they would charge her with, what was it? Charge her with, let's see some like obstruction of justice or something. So let's go ahead and read the article. This is coming from Newsweek. And it says a mother who ran into Rob Elementary School to rescue her two children during a mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, last week says police threatened to violate her probation for speaking out about the incident to reporters. Angeli Gomez told CBS News on Thursday that she was forced to rush into the school after watching police fail to quickly respond to the deadly shooting. A total of 19 students and two teachers were killed when 18 gunmen, when 18-year-old gunman Salvador Ramos entered the school and opened fire. Gosh, what a horrible day. <sighs> after speaking critically about the incident to media outlets, Gomez said an officer threatened to charge her with violating probation on an unrelated charge for obstruction of justice. However, she added that she spoke to a local judge who assured her that she was brave and that she would not face legal repercussions for sharing her story. Her account comes amid a flurry of similar reports from parents and relatives who said they were on site during the devastating massacre and watched as police failed to intervene. Gomez told the news organization that she arrived at the school while the shooting was still taking place and found that several armed officers were standing outside. She said she begged and screamed for officers to go into the building to save her children, but the police seemed more concerned with containing parents than entering the school. Oh, man. So, literally threatened the woman who saved her children with obstruction of justice for attempting or, or saying that she would speak out about how they didn't go in. And that's the people that you want to give killer robots to <laughs> like that. Let's let's bring this full circle here. And let's just say that even if out of the 80 people that all 80 armed police officers who were standing outside of there doing nothing, it was just this one who is threatening this woman who did the right thing because of his little itty bitty ego getting in the way, making him not want to be continually having to hear how they were at least in some way, shape or form at fault for not responding according to the way that they should have, even according to their own 
internal documents about school shootings. If you ever read into that or you recall the episodes that I did on it, there was documents that outlined what they should have done. And they didn't do any of it. They didn't go in. They didn't like it was all outlined in how they should have approached it, all leading to the fact that they should have entered the building and they didn't. Well, they at least they didn't go to detain the guy until after he murdered 21 people, including 19 children. So crazy. So how horrible, how horrible. Like, and, and, and again, that's the woman who was a hero in all of this. The, the, the shining light story in all of this and the police continue to misstep and threaten her with obstruction of justice for attempting to speak out on their misdoings. Disgusting. All right. And now this leads me to the bigger topic that we're going to discuss here, which we will get into in a second. Actually, and, and, and first and foremost, let's touch on this because this is pretty crazy too. If you didn't hear about it, there was a shooting at a LGBTQ plus bar called Q, okay? Q bar or something like that. And there was like five people murdered and he shot some people and then he got his ass beat by a bunch of trans people. And that's, you see these pictures online of him with all of like terrible black eyes and stuff, which good. Absolutely. I'm glad they, they beat the shit out of him. But so there was this situation and, and then the guy who was, was the shooter came out and, and his lawyers said that he was non-binary. So the Q shooters lawyer said that he's non-binary and this just caused like a, a, a weird miswiring in all of the liberal news media because they didn't really know how to respond to this. And so there was an anchor who was interviewing a trans woman. I think I'm getting that right. A trans woman, which is formerly is still a biological male who is dressed as a woman who claims to be a woman is getting interviewed on CNN. And there, again, there's this like, just you, you watch these people try to navigate this line of like trying to make non-binary a thing while also not giving this guy leeway to be it because he doesn't appear to be non-binary and so on and so forth. So let's, let's watch this video. I find it to be quite comical and then we'll get into some of the bigger topics that we're going to discuss here. And here we go. Natalie, when we started the show, we just got we got a little bit of news earlier that the attorneys for the shooter are now saying that the shooter is non-binary and the shooter, the shooter would like to use the pronouns they them. And this is for the court in all court papers. And that's what Anderson Aldrich's attorneys are saying. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's complete ludicrous. I believe they're just saying that because they want to have the easy way out on this. That's really, really offending, especially being a transgender woman myself, that a male, which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man. That's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape or form could they appear as a woman the next day. It's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that. They could no way, shape or form appear as a woman the next day because it, it would take them so much like Amazon Prime doesn't ship wigs and makeup. It, it at least takes two days to do that. So they definitely couldn't have been a woman the next day. I, I like how they they 
the he, she, the, the person being interviewed here, still respects their pronouns with they, but still doesn't want to agree with them that they could be non-binary. And they don't, they could never appear to be a woman. They have not taken as, as many YouTube contouring training videos as I have. And they don't look to speak with a, a low voice to appear to be more feminine. This is so silly. It's it's just so crazy to see this trans person, right? And again, do you? I don't care. But just seeing the hypocrisy here and, and seeing this person sitting here trying to say, well, I get to put this wig on and, and do my makeup this way and speak this way and objectify women by, by delineating their role down to the clothes that they wear, the makeup they wear, how they roll their eyes in an interview, and then how they speak is just insulting. And then this shooter comes out and says they're non-binary. And, and, and this guy, this uh, trans woman says biological man says that, well, we don't claim them because they, they, they couldn't look like a woman the next day. Like how does that, how does that now correlate? Cause even, even he didn't say it was a trans woman, right? He said that he was not binary or she, it was a, he, the shooter was a, he Jesus. So it's hard to not get all this mixed up in this fantasy land of, of words that we're playing in here. The fact that you have to walk that line when you're discussing these two things, but anyways, let's go ahead and watch the rest of this clip. Man, that's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as a woman the next day. It's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that role. And if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at? Why would you do that to a community where you... Wait, did they just say that it's offensive for somebody else to... This, okay... Let's, this is crazy that I, ju I just realized this. This man pretending to be a woman is mad that this other man isn't pretending to be a woman well enough and that they're appropriating their culture. Meanwhile, they're this individual who is saying this individual is appropriating their culture is appropriating the culture of women. <laughs> In the very same breath, this biological man says that it's, it, it's, what was the word that he used? It's insulting. It's, it's, what did he say? And if they're non-binary, why would you go after the, in no way, shape or form, could they appear as a woman the next day? It's really offensive to even hear that. Is it offensive to hear that somebody is appropriating your gender, ma'am? Is that offensive to you? Because if that's offensive, imagine how it feels to be a woman watching you give this interview <laughs> with your hair and your contoured makeup and your eye rolls and your suddenly soft voice. Is that offensive? Because if that is offensive, then everything you are doing is offensive. Everything. But somehow you get to magically be offended because this man doesn't put on makeup as well as you do and doesn't have a wig on. How, what type of world do we live in where you can say that with your mouth and say that you are offended by this man saying that he's non-binary, which, which is even less of a jump of saying that I don't identify with my gender role and I don't identify with either gender role than you to say that 
not only do I not identify with mine, but I identify with your biological role and your bio- biological makeup, not mine. Like you're literally there. There's nothing to appropriate in the non-binary space. You're just saying, I don't know what I am. There is absolutely something to be offended by when a man pretends to be a woman and then takes over almost like the thing about this is that you're, you're not seeing in, in the same way you're seeing men, all of, I want you to think through all of the famous people that you're seeing on TV right now about transism, transism. Is that a thing about transism? I'm going to make it a thing just for the sake of this conversation. All of the famous people, all of the famous clips, all of them are all men pretending to be women or saying that they feel like they're a woman. They're not women being men or women saying they feel like they're men or saying that they should have been a man. Like all of the famous ones, think of them, all of them, all of the ones that were getting interviewed on Dr. Phil, all of the ones getting the makeup ad campaigns, all of them are men pretending to be women. All of the Olympic level swimmers taking over women swimming, all of them. You don't hear about women pretending to be men going into men's prisons and then somehow getting impregnated. Like, no, you hear about men going into women's prisons. You hear about the Caitlyn Jenner. You hear about the whatever that guy is who was on Dr. Phil that was arguing with Matt Walsh. You see them. They're always a man transitioning to a woman, a woman, not a woman being a man. And it's an encroachment on women's spaces. It, if there was ever anything for like women's feminists to be an up in arms about, it's the fact that you are literally eliminating, like the, the whole root of that is feminine. And you're deducing femininity down to clothing, hair, makeup, and voice tonality. Not the hormones in your body, not what you were biologically made to do, not the fact that you can bear children. Like, and I've had this conversation too many times, but it was just so much hypocrisy going on here. All right, moving on. Just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was pretty wild. <laughs> and I'm glad that I did because I just realized how crazy, ridiculous, and insulting that was that that trans woman says that she's insulted by the guy claiming to be non-binary because he doesn't look enough like a woman or he doesn't wear as much makeup as that they do. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. The next thing we're going to talk about is going to be the Balenciaga situation. So we have the Balenciaga situation and then we have Epstein accuser suing JP Morgan Chase. So we will touch on those two things. But first, what I need you to do right now, if you didn't already do it, hit that subscribe button, leave a five star review. This is going to take me maybe 30, 20, 15, 20 seconds to go through this with you. And while I do that, you could have already done it. You'll feel good about it. You can get some great, beautiful, wonderful karma in your life. Fill your heart with joy, knowing that you helped a good cause, helped the show grow. Leave a five-star review. Hit the subscribe button because we'll have episodes just like this every single week. And like I said last episode, we will be starting to incorporate more interviews like the one that I did. I think it was episode number 46 or something like that with Mr. Gerber. And that was an incredible interview about the the Falun Gong movement. If you have not listened to that, it's probably one of the favorite episodes that I've done since I started this. Go back. It was my only interview so far, and I'm highly, highly motivated to get back into it for one reason, 
being that I am going to be piecing together, you know, if, if there's actually a book that I have behind me that's a tribe of mentors. So, and, and that's by Tim Ferriss. So what Tim Ferriss did is he took all of the interviews that he ever did. He had a, had a certain amount of lines of questioning that he asked these people in certain areas specifically to get feedback and to learn and then to encapsulate all of that information and give it to readers. So I have this idea that I want to go through and interview all of the smartest people on some of these topics. And if you listen to the intro of the podcast, it's not primarily this whole idea here is not just to be about current events. It's to dive deeper into what we think is normal, right? Why we think the education system is normal, why we think our nutrition is normal when it's actually screwed and terrible. Why we think our medicine's normal when it's actually made us worse off than better off in many situations. Why we think that all of these topics, history, conspiracies, all of these things and in reframing and re-educating ourselves and our children for future generations. So I'm going to be going line by line through those topics that I have picked out, finding two to three experts and interviewing them on a consistent basis to bring you guys what we started this for, which was to rethink the way that we view our reality, which is to rethink the way that we look at history, which is to rethink the way that we look at parenting and and education and all of these things that, that we've been told that were the, the easy buttons, the easy way of life, is all you have to do is give that responsibility to a government, to a corporation, and don't worry about it, we got you. And we're finding that that's not the case, right? We're finding that that's not the case about the education system, and that's why there's so many parents up in arms at these parent meetings. Right? We're finding that's not the case about our government. That's why they're funneling off our money to Ukraine and then through FTX and then back to themselves. Right, We're finding out all of these things and we need to correct it. And so I'm going to be systematically going line by line through those different topics, finding the best possible people to interview so that you guys can listen to it and learn alongside me. And then my hope is eventually to package that all, give my thoughts on it, and write something out for you guys that I think could be very impactful. So that's the goal. All right. And I hope that was enough time for you to leave a five-star review. <laughs> okay. Next thing is head over to redpillrevolution.co and leave your email, subscribe to the Substack. And if you would like to support the podcast, the best way you can do it right now is just by going to givesengo.com slash redpillrevolution, and you can donate directly on the website there. All right. I would appreciate it more than you could ever imagine. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much. And let's jump right back into it. So this is us jumping back right into it, right back into it, jumping right back into it. All right. So <laughs> this, if you have not heard yet, this is out of all of the things, all, all, there, there has been so much underground talk so many whispers over the last three years, so many things that have happened since Epstein's name first became famous and his trial, well, that we never really got to actually see go through with, all went to shit when, you know, he killed himself, allegedly, in a jail cell. Hmm. So ever since that day, there's been a lot of whispers in the conspiracy world, conspiracy world, about the sexualization of children about the propping up of sex rings with gin within the and sex trafficking within the elite communities the rich communities which is primarily what Epstein preyed on almost the only thing that he preyed on was all of these rich elites which is still why there's not been a single indictment on any person who was in his flight log which is just wild but 
more on that in a moment. What we are talking about today is Balenciaga. Balenciaga is a high fashion brand who had a ad campaign featuring children with bondage teddy bears and alluding to specific court cases around child sex trafficking. Okay, so let's go ahead and read this. This is coming from some random website, reduxx.info, which has something at the top of about feminism. I don't know. Never seen it before. So take it with a grain of salt, but you can find this everywhere else too. This is all very real. Luxury fashion house Balenciaga is raising child safeguarding concerns after launching a new ad campaign featuring children in bondage themed toys that are many are calling disturbing. On November 19th, Twitter used datcatdir, Twitter user, posted two screenshots of the Balenciaga official site showing off images being used to promote the child's holiday gift shop. Both of the images featured very young children models holding teddy bears, but what looks like an innocent enough photo shoot at first glance will quickly, quickly raise eyebrows once the accessories the bears are wearing are given a closer look. So there's these two young girls sitting, standing on a couch and standing on a bed with teddy bears that they're holding. One with a leather BDSM outfit on it. And the other one with some lacy lingerie, creepy, like makeup around its eyes. It's all sexual. It's, it's disgusting. And so it goes on to say that in one photo taken from the main page, the child is standing on pink bed, holding a teddy bear, wearing a fishnet top collar with a lock and ankle and wrist restraints. In the full size version of the image, a second teddy bear is visible in the bedroom, wearing a collar and a blindfold. The second image taken from the gift's shop's catalog, a different child model is standing on the couch holding a teddy bear that is wearing a leather chest harness and a collar. As it, in the first and second teddy bear is visible in the room wearing more leather gear. The bear is in fact handheld accessories from Balenciaga's spring 2023 collection. Both of the screenshots posted were part of a larger series of photos which began cropping up Balenciaga's official Instagram on November 16th. Since then, six images in total have been released, all of which featured young models posing with items from Balenciaga's gift shop. One of them does not include a BDSM. Only one of them. All of the photos were taken by National Geographic photographer Gabriel Galm. Galim Berti, whose Instagram features more photos of kids he has taken as a part of his Toy Stories project, a portfolio featuring photos of children from around the world and their favorite toys. <clears throat> and it's if you go to this person's Instagram, they are all super creepy, super creepy photos of children. Now, the next thing that is very first on here is statement. So we'll see if I can actually get this, which is from the photographer who did this. So I'm going to pull up their Instagram here and see if I can read you their statement because I'm sure it's just super impactful. Let's try this. It is Gabrielle Gallimberti photo. Gallimberti photo. And let's see if we can get a statement. So the statement is the very first post. And it says, following the hundreds of hate mails and messages I received as a result of the photos I took from the Balenciaga campaign, I feel compelled to make this statement. 
I am not in a position to comment Balenciaga's choices, but I must stress that I was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products nor the models nor the combination of the same. As a photographer, I was only and solely requested to light the given scene and take the shots according to my signature style. As usual for a commercial shooting, the direction of the campaign and the choice of the objects displayed are not in the hands of the photographer. I suspect that any person prone to pedophilia searches on the web and has unfortunately a too easy access to images completely different than mine. Absolutely explicit in their awful content. Accusations like these are addressed against wrong targets and distract from the real problem in criminals? Okay. Also, I have no connection with the photo where a Supreme Court document appears. That one was taken in another set by other people and was falsely associated with my photos. Now, obviously, they don't let, they're not letting comments on that one. Let's see about what the comments are on this one. And yeah, obviously, if you know anything about big brand campaigns and marketing, like, those photos are not being released by Balenciaga unless they were meticulously scrubbed and set up in a specific way. Balenciaga, everything is intentional on the set. Everything, every single piece of it is intentional on the set, along with the BDSM teddy bear, along with the court documents alluding to pedophilia, along with the d demon in the background at the top right of another photo, along with the, the, the dates up on the wall of a different one that allude to a, a court hearing about a famous sex trafficker, like all of this, or, or pedophile, all of these weird little, all of these weird little things going on at the same time and in different photos. And you think Balenciaga is not to blame. Yeah, obviously this photographer absolutely knew what they were doing. And in all of the styles of this person's photos are all super creepy. Anybody who lets this person in their home, especially to do photos of their children should be highly questioned, like highly questioned. It's, it's super creepy. All right. But I digress. It's all Balenciaga. It's all Balenciaga. It has nothing like the, the photographers also at fault, but Balenciaga as a brand decided to have that. And, and including the fact that the photos that were there of the, of the court hearing, which we'll get into in just a moment, was Balenciaga again. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely the photographer, but it's also absolutely Balenciaga's fault on so many levels. So the fashion house has since limited the ability for users to leave comments on Twitter where Balenciaga has just recently deleted its account in apparent protest of Elon's takeover. Wow. Way to take a stand Balenciaga by deleting your Twitter and then posting pedophilia based photos as a response, you're really, yeah, Team Balenciaga. On Twitter, Balenciaga just recently deleted its account in apparent protest to Elon's takeover. Users expressed outrage and concern over the campaign, with many pointing out the disturbing implications of the photo shoot. The looks on these girls' faces are also a deliberate choice of the picture editor, too. Very unsettling. And that's true, too. Every every piece of this is meticulous. Every, you know, this, this child looks like, Ugh, like horrified and weirded out. And the other one looks like sad. And like they took hundreds of photos, hundreds of photos with hundreds of different facial expressions with different setups and different backgrounds and different lighting and different facial expressions. And this one just so happens to be of scared four-year-old children with BDSM dolls and pedophile-based court hearing documents. It's disgusting. Somebody else commented, 
chipping away at those boundaries and normalizing this crap one campaign at a time, Balenciaga. This disruption of innocence and normalization of fringe behavior seems like an effort to make acceptable, pr acceptable previously unimaginable scenarios like men and women's prisons and shelters, children having gender identities, and adult dancing in libraries. None of this is acceptable. Women's right campaign group Keep Prisons Single Sex USA tweeted in response to the photos. Who would have thought there would ever be a campaign group called Keep Prisons Single Sex? <laughs> The mainstreaming of harnesses has always been weird, but this is extra. The kids don't know it's fetish gear, but the adults seeing these pictures do. Balenciaga's ad campaign comes at a time when the apparent normalization of youth exposure to kink has become a point of issue for those concerned about child safeguarding. Earlier this year, a parenting lifestyle outlet attracted widespread backlash after publishing an article encouraging parents to prep their children for exposure to nudity and public BDSM acts at a LGBTQ LGBT pride parade. How about no? In the article, Fatherly provided the comment. Yeah, let's go ahead and move forward here. But this also talks about a new or Washington Post time article or Washington Post article published a year ago that is titled, Yes, Kink Belongs at Pride and I Want My Kids to See It. I'm going to bet you don't have kids. Balenciaga has scrubbed its official website, homepage and social media following increasing public scrutiny. Both photos of the young children holding the teddy bear accessories have been removed from the website and replaced by another photo from the campaign where the child is not so directly interacting with the bondage bear. Now, the photo that they're talking about here is one that I'm talking that I've seen, too, where the Balenciaga. So at the bottom left hand of this this image, there's a Balenciaga like caution tape and there's two A's at the beginning of Balenciaga. Now, if you know what that is, B-A-A-L, ball, you want to look up what that means, and it starts to get a little deeper. Now, again, everything's intentional. They did not print this because on the chair in the background, Balenciaga is spelled perfectly fine on the caution tape, but on the one that's displayed very at the bottom left, not where you would think that it would be displayed, it is a, it is a reference to ball. All right. Looking just on brave here, ball... Ball is a demon described in demonological grimoires, such as the lesser key of Solomon and the... So it's a demon, which means the Lord. Canaanites worshipped Baal and held rituals at which children were burned for sacrifice. This demon is the first monarch of hell and appears as a three-headed beast. Baal is cited as the Grand Grimier, as commanding general of infernal armies. So... There's another one that's under talking about Malak. So child sacrifice and ball, Malak, abortion and secular humanism that comes from AOCinternational.org. So basically, this is a demon that is child sacrifices were done for. Hmm. I wonder why Balenciaga would be flexing demons with child sacrifice in the bottom left hand corner of a photo with a child in it in their room. Also, on the backs of all of this, you'll see that there starts to be some ties between Siaga and some of the people related to Epstein, as I saw some other people point out. Haven't dived deep enough into that to actually discuss it here, but let's go ahead and read some of the comments on this. This is coming from the Reddit where this was actually brought up. And let me sort here. What you'll know about Reddit is that they changed it to best as the way to sort initially when it's always been top. So that's just their way of curating what 
you'll see. Now, what the very first thing is here is that F those MFers is the very top comment. <laughs> so there's that. Somebody responded to that and said Balenciaga should be shut down immediately. The parents photographers should all be cavity searched. Wow. All emails, hard drives of everyone involved should be investigated. Those kids need to be in the morning news stating that they are fine and with family and friends, not with these parents. Under no circumstances can this be approved or allowed. This is the start right now. It's just them pictures with those court documents. It's just them pictures with those court documents. That's a not good grammar. Later, it's the kids in less clothing, more sexuality. Let's kill this right now. Yeah. So not much substance there. But what you're finding is that people are diving deeper and deeper and deeper into this Balenciaga stuff. This ball stuff is just the very beginning of it. But they're referencing a child sacrifice deity in another photo with a child in it. it, it it's just crazy to me that this is just become so normalized that Balenciaga thinks that they can just drop this ad campaign in time for Christmas and everybody's just going to love them for it. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on here. Epstein's accuser is suing JP Morgan Chase and Dutch Bank. Okay. So one of the people, now this person still remains anonymous. It's not one of the more public eyed accusers, which, you know, some of them gave their names. Some of them did not during Glenn Maxwell's court trial, but there's there, one of them is accusers. So maybe multiple. Let's go ahead and read the article here. This is coming from the Daily Caller. It says women who have accused Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse filed lawsuits against Deutsche Bank and JP Morgan Chase. Is it Deutsche? I assume Deutsche. I, I'm I don't know. Chase for purportedly aiding in his alleged sex trafficking operation. Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's just talk about the role of of banks in all of the the social justice that is happening because Chase shut down the bank of Kanye. They also followed through on seizing for Canada, seizing assets of people, if I recall correctly, during the Freedom Rally. And they also, I'm sure, in some way, shape, or form are invested in or allow for the banking of Balenciaga. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But, you know, Kanye, you better get out of here for exposing the, you know, what, what some people call the Kazarian Mafia, which does not exist officially. Women who have accused Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse filed lawsuits against Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase for purportedly aiding in his alleged sex trafficking operation. The suits seek class action status as an unspecified amount of monetary charges, according to the Wall Street Junior Journal. Lawyers who have represented many of Epstein's accusers filed both lawsuits in federal court Thursday, the new the outlet continued. One lawyer, Bradley Edwards, reportedly told Wall Street Journal in a written statement that the time has come for the real enablers to be held responsible, especially his wealthy friends in the financial institutions that played an integral role. We believe this claim lacks merit and will present our arguments in court, was the response by Deutsche Bank. And J.P. Morgan Chase failed to comment. Of course. The lawsuit cites allegations from New York State's top financial regulator about the bank's purported ties to Epstein. The J.P. Morgan Chase lawsuit is based on an alleged relationship between Epstein and a top executive at the bank. <gasps> Who would have thought? According to the outlet, both lawsuits claim the banks assisted and participated in Epstein's alleged sex trafficking by enabling him to pay women for sex acts and making money off of his activities. The banks allegedly worked with Epstein for years after he pleaded guilty in 2018 to soliciting prostitution from a minor. The anonymous woman suing J.P. Morgan Chase used to be a ballet dancer in New York and was allegedly sexually abused by Epstein from the years 2006 to 2013. 
The other is unnamed woman suing the bank claims in her lawsuit that she was sexually abused by Epstein from 2003 to 2018. Wow. Epstein died in 2019, allegedly, when he reportedly committed suicide in jail pending a trial. So there you have it, folks. Hopefully, this leads to more conversation at the very least. At least just that. Just, just keep the conversation going about Epstein. Don't let this conversation die. I'm happy these things are going, even if nothing comes out of this, because at the very least, we're going to start to get hopefully more people, including the top executive at J.P. Morgan Chase, who is a part of this lawsuit, called out for what they did. So, yeah, nothing coming from the conversation at the bottom. So those are my thoughts. I'm just glad this conversation is continuing. I'm just glad that Jeffrey Epstein's name and the story just did not die with him allegedly dying. I think if... Also, if you want to get into the conspiracy realm of it, if the head of the cartel can escape one of the highest maximum prisons in the world, you bet your ass all of the wealthiest people in the world conspiring to get one man out of jail would probably be somewhat successful and they could probably find somebody to replace him with a blanket around their neck. Just saying. And I'm sure plenty of them, plenty of them, plenty of them all own their own islands that Epstein could go live on from there. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying it could be the case. <laughs> Maybe he's hanging out with other famous pedophiles like Michael Jackson on a random island somewhere. And I hope not. And I hope that guy's dead. And I hope he didn't get off without, you know, dying as a result of his actions. But just saying, might not be out of the realm of possibility. So again, Glad the conversation is continuing. Glad that it's just not going away because it could very easily fizzle out. But here's a clip of Bill Clinton at a rally where a reporter asked him about his connections to Jeffrey Epstein. So let's go ahead and listen to this. So if you, did, you didn't hear that, and I know you didn't, somebody said, what, can you talk to me more about your alleged connections with Jeffrey Epstein? And he laughs, laughs at that, laughs at the fact that he held... 17 meetings behind closed doors with Jeffrey Epstein at the White House on the White House logs was the single largest captured child sex trafficker ever with the man who just laughed at a reporter questioning him about it and said, I think the answer is clear. Yes, Bill, the answer is absolutely clear that you were a part of the creepy, creepy flight logs, had him over at the White House multiple, multiple times behind closed doors. And obviously, as everybody knows, you're a creep too and participated in all of those actions while being on the flight logs with Jeffrey Epstein at the very minimum, allegedly, you know. And I say allegedly because how many people have died by calling Bill Clinton out for something in the past? So allegedly, I'm not going to say it's for sure, but I got a pretty good idea that uh, Bill Clinton probably had something to do with all of this. Anyways. That is what I have for you guys today. That is it. In the meantime, stay tuned for the interviews. If you have anybody that you think I should talk to, 
in the space of the industrialization of our education system or the medical system or parenting or any of, uh, of those topics I discussed, feel free to reach out at Red Pill Revolt or Austin at redpillrevolution.co. And I would love to hear from it, all of your suggestions on who I should potentially interview. I would love to hear it. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it again from the bottom of my heart. I, I really, really do. So head over to redpillrevolution.co, leave your email for the podcast companion, go to givesendgo.com slash red pill revolution and you can donate if you find some value out of these conversations that i have with you and want to support me so we can keep doing them all right thank you guys so much i hope you have a wonderful day and i still haven't gotten the stinger on this thing so do 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 bye folks <laughs>